Welcome to the First Baptist Church Dadeville Pastors Chat. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to forgive others. And we're also going to give you some homework. So stick around at the end to find out what that is. Welcome to episode three of the Pastors Chat, First Baptist Church, Dadeville. We are going to be talking about forgiveness in Matthew 6, 9 through 15. I'm your host, Forrest Jones, joined by, well, I was going to say the handsomest pastors in Dadeville, but I haven't seen them all and we're a pretty low standard if that's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but joining me is... So, Zach Brown, the youth pastor. And Ben Hayes, the senior pastor here at First Baptist Dadeville. All right, last week we talked about forgiveness, but in a little bit different aspect. And then we also talked about a very spiritual discussion of Star Wars. Unfortunately, there is not a cool movie holiday today. Today, I did look it up, though. Um, it is Eat What You Want Day, which I celebrated with the pound cake that is downstairs in the office. Or it's Twilight Zone Day, which I don't know how that's a holiday but it is apparently. So those are your options. Tomorrow's Limerick Day, if you want to write one, Zach. I think um, I think I'm good on that. But I will take some of that pound cake. I did not know it was down there. I know what I'm doing after this. Yeah, exactly. Well, Zach, I was down there all morning and had no idea it was down there. So I'm wondering where they're hiding it. <laughs> all right, brother Ben, if you will jump into today, um, giving us a rundown of yesterday's message. Ah, uh, thanks, Forrest. Be glad to listen. The um, one of the biggest problems we have in our Christian lives is, is understanding this concept of forgiveness and especially how deep the, the forgiveness goes. Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 that as we are forgiven, we are to forgive others. I mean, he spells it out for us. Uh, in uh, verses 14 and 15, he says, if we forgive men their trespasses, then our Heavenly Father will forgive us. And if we don't, he won't, and you just can't make it any more clear uh, than that. But, you know, our misunderstanding of forgiveness is is great because we tend to think that forgiveness means we have to justify the actions of those that hurt us, or we just have to say, well, you know, give me a little time and I'll get over this, uh, or even denying that we're affected by what took place. And none of that really is what forgiveness is all about. Uh, forgiveness is recognizing the fact that you've been hurt, and it's just as, as as straightforward as that. You've been hurt by the actions, by the words, by whatever it is from, from someone else, and because of that, you need to forgive them. And I, I said there were three steps in this process of forgiveness, and you could probably find a whole lot different look at this uh, when you look at it in so many different ways. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to remember how much you've been forgiven. Just think about that. If you could write down every sin that you've ever committed in your life, every sin that you're ever going to commit in your life, and recognize that when you came to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that he wiped the slate clean. He provided forgiveness for all of your sins because of the shed blood on Calvary's cross. And and that's just because God is a God of of forgiveness. He forgives freely. He forgives fully. And uh, he never reminds us of our sins again. So we need to remember how much we've been forgiven. And once we do, then the job of forgiveness becomes a a little bit uh, easier But the second step in the process is a little more difficult, but it's key to this. 
It is key to this kind of forgiveness because we have to come to the point in our lives where we are able and willing to release the offender. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that we have to make a choice to forgive them. Uh, and I'm not just talking about saying we forgive them. I'm talking about forgiving them completely. Um, and, and here's what forgiveness really is. When, when you come down to it, when you release that person, you're giving up the right for vengeance. You're giving up the right to uh, expect from them anything in return. Uh, in reality, you're, you're giving up the right to even expect them to ask you for forgiveness or to admit that they're wrong. Uh, that's what this is all about. Because the, the, the key to this is understanding that forgiveness sets you free. It uh, You're talking about releasing the offender, but it literally sets you free from the burden of, of guilt, the burden of, 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 of anger, the burden of bitterness. Uh, it releases you from all of that. And, and then in the final step in this process, you have to recognize that God has a purpose in this process that's going on in your life. And we, we talk about this a lot here at First Baptist Church. It's based on Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which says that God works all things together for our good, those who, who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And the truth of that is, is clear. Not everything that happens to us is good. There are bad things that happen to us, and we need to call them that. We need to recognize that. But God has a purpose in, in this process, and that is to show us that what, what we need to do to experience his grace, to be a light for him. He brings good things out of those bad situations, and then he brings glory and honor to himself by the way that we respond. And I honestly believe that, that the key to, to forgiveness is recognizing that in this process, God is ultimately making everything for our good, and for his glory. So that was the essence of the message yesterday based on Matthew chapter six. Going into to this, I think one of my favorite things with with how you address this and really how you've how you've handled like the entire question series is is one of the cool things is is looking at these questions, you're able to kind of take a step back and and give some some context to some some oftentimes misunderstandings that we have about this stuff. Um, like the way you started off yesterday, early on, you were talking about like what forgiveness isn't. Uh, and I think that that's one of the things that really stuck out to me was, you know, not just coming at this and saying, you know, well, you need to forgive people, but, but what is forgiveness? You know, what kind of misunderstanding do we have about forgiveness and what is forgiveness not? And then really breaking down all those individual parts of what it is. Um, and so I, I thought that was, I thought that was something that really stood out to me, you know, forgiveness is not this forgiveness does not do this, but but forgiveness is something that is important. So, yeah, and I think when we look at these kind of lessons and like a big question series like we've been doing, there's the temptation that unfortunately a lot of people fall into of turning it into a self help session. Um, and I really thought a lot of your forgiveness is not points hit on a lot of the kind of stuff you hear in that you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just get through this kind of technique. I thought you hit on a lot of those saying things like it's not justifying the actions of the other person because that's our natural reaction at first just to think, well, if I'm apologizing to them, that's, that's because it's, they didn't do anything wrong. Well, no, they did plenty wrong like that. That's not what we're saying here uh, or that kind of, uh, I know you quoted yesterday, time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. 
And there's truth in the fact that, especially if you're dealing with something like grief, time is a great medicine for grief, you know, that, that it will never leave completely, but it changes. And, and over time that will, your life will be able to carry on. But in, we start talking to trauma victims and people that have, you know, endured abuse or, or, you know, a huge, um, injustice. Time does not magically erase that. And, and instead, in fact, we tend to just kind of minimize it. Or we look at other people and say like, why don't they just get over this? This has been a while. Come on, let bygones be bygones. Um, you know, unfortunately in our society, we look around at all the divorces and things that have happened and look at the bitterness that so often is there decades later. And you can see time doesn't heal all wounds. And, and that, that's not a good way to look at it. Now, again, if we're trying to give somebody some four little self-help points, that might be something you mentioned, but that's not what the business we're in here. And uh, so I really thought you did a great job touching on that. Um, I want to spend some time on how we move into forgiving others. Like, what does it really mean to forgive? Um, and you mentioned that very first point, remember how much you've been forgiven. And you mentioned a minute ago, the idea that, you know, maybe uh, we, we think about our sins. Um, but what if somebody says, well, I, I'm, I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I really haven't sinned that much. You know, what, what would you say to somebody that said something like that? <laughs> well, that's that's a good question for us. And, and we tend to minimize our, our sin. Uh, but truth is, we're born with a sin nature. And uh, we, we've said this quite often. If you need proof of that, just uh, just try to raise a baby. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that baby does not have to be taught how to cry when it's hungry. That baby does not have to, to be taught how to demand its way. It's, it's just part of, of who we are as human beings. And uh, that sin nature has to be dealt with. And, of course, the only way to deal with that sin nature is, is also through the cross, through the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. But we tend to to lump our sins into categories. And and uh, I think uh, we, we said this last week that when we compare ourselves to one another, we can come across looking pretty good. I mean, I can look out at the congregation on Sunday morning and I can find at least one person out there that I, I know that I'm better than, you know, kind of like the, the Pharisee and the publican in the parable that, that Jesus taught. You know, thank you, God, that I'm not like this person. But the truth is, the comparison is not with those around us. The comparison is with Jesus Christ, who who lived a completely sinless, holy life. And there's not one of us who can say that. Because here's what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says that if we are guilty of breaking one of the commandments, we're guilty of breaking the entire law. See, that's all it takes. That's all it takes is to, to be a sinner, is to commit one sin. And once you commit that sin, you are branded a sinner for life because there's no going back from that. And so if you are a sinner, what the Bible says, that then you need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And that's something that yesterday um, really kind of kind of hit a little too close to home for me. Because <laughs> um, I, I love a good, a good, you know, step on toes point, but like I needed some still toes boots yesterday um, sitting there listening to it. Because when you were talking about this example, the idea of like, you know, making this personal, like one of the, one of the last things you said before your first point was personalize this message to right. you. 
And I was literally like, like it runs so deep with me that the thought was even going through my mind of like, man, I know people here who need to personalize this message, you know, like, like twofold. Um, because it, it is, it's, it's such a, an easy inclination to look at this and, and have those mindsets of, I know exactly who needs to hear this, you know, without actually looking at ourselves and saying, you know, we're not comparing ourselves to each other. We're comparing ourselves individually to the, the personal ways that we need to be addressing this issue. Uh, so that was something that, like I said, I, I was not wearing the right, the right boots <laughs> yesterday for this message. It's one of those, if you, if you can't say amen, you got to say ouch. Yeah. Exactly. Well, one of the things that, that I will probably talk about this coming Sunday, and I believe his name is Carl Menninger. He's a, was a psychiatrist. Uh, don't know if he's still practicing or not, but he made the statement one time that if he could go into a psychiatric hospital and convince the patients in that hospital to accept forgiveness, forgive others, and, and, and basically do what we've been talking about, then 75% of those patients could walk out of that hospital cured because it is the, the guilt, it's the bitterness, it's the anger, it's the shame, it's the regret, all of those things that, that weigh us down emotionally and spiritually that, that cause so much of our mental health issues. And that's so very apparent in during this this COVID nineteen isolation because people don't have the skills to cope with these things, and we're seeing uh, abuse increase in the homes. We're seeing alcoholism and, and drug abuse increasing, uh, crime in, increasing, and and it's all because we're not taught and we don't understand how to deal with our our sin. We're not taught how to deal with this concept of forgiveness. Yeah, I thought one thing as we before we move on to the next topic, uh, you you mentioned the parable of the unforgiving servant, and um, you know in that in that parable, the the master forgives this massive debt, I mean, bit more money than we could ever imagine, and then that person turns around and then threatens someone else for a much smaller amount, and I, I just wrote the quote down there where. The master calls him, you wicked servant, mm -hmm. you know, because he's turning his back on this great, you know, gift that was given to him and then turns around and looks at those other people and is like, oh, no, now it's time for you to pay up. And, and how, if we're not careful, that is us. And that we just forget that gigantic gift we were given um, because no matter what, none of us could earn our own salvation. Um, <laughs> it makes me always think of, was it the, the rich young ruler that comes to Christ and says, like, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And he's like, well, obey all the laws. And he's like, got it. Done that one. No problem. You're like, I'm pretty sure we just messed that one up right there. You know, it's like, and just realizing, yeah, it's it's even your thoughts and everything else. And then so often, yeah, we can be that guy of like, okay, what else do I need to do? Because I've already got that taken care of other than applying it to myself. <laughs> so um, now your next point, you said, you needed to release the offender attire entirely. That that's probably kind of a shocking thought to some people. Um, I've never, I, I can't say that I've ever endured a huge um, injustice, but just in life, there's always going to be people that do you wrong or slight you, or, you know, oftentimes you kind of hold on to those. And when you're preaching yesterday, I'm kind of playing things in my mind thinking, all right, who are those people that I'm still holding on to 
this grudge over what they've done to me, you know, years ago. Um, you know, and you said you, you're giving up the right to repayment. I know that that's not something I like to hear because I like the idea of they're going to have to pay me back or they're going to have to make right what they've done to me. Um, yeah, of course, a lot of times when, when I have this conversation with people, uh, say, look, you, you've got to, um, you've got to let it go. You, you, you have to let it go or it's going to eat you up inside. And, and they'll come back and they'll say something like, well, they haven't apologized. They haven't asked for forgiveness. It doesn't matter. They don't care how you feel inside. In fact, if, if they don't like you, they're probably glad that this stuff is eating you up inside. And so your only choice, since you cannot control them, is to, to decide that you're going to let it go. Uh, I, I use the, the quote that most of us probably are, are familiar with, but holding gr a grudge is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. And, and it doesn't work that way. It, uh, if we drink the poison, it's going to affect us. And holding on to that anger and that bitterness is only going to affect us until it starts leaking out and starts affecting the people around us, the people we love, the people we, we deal with on a daily basis, because ultimately that's what's going to happen. You're going to become a negative, critical, resentful person that is going to be who you're characterized as if you don't deal with this, this bitterness. We have something in our family. We talk about um, the temptation to martyr ourselves and not in the dying for our faith kind of good way, but just naturally we, we, we've seen it and having children, like you said, is a great way to see it played out because you'll just have that moment where, you know, maybe myself or somebody else would, would, get mad at something that was done to them. And then they feel like, well, if I punish myself enough, that person is going to regret doing whatever. And that's the most insane concept on earth. You know, and, and you mentioned it have to eat you alive so much that it finally starts overflowing to the people around you. But if this person did some horrible thing to you or something you consider that severe, they're probably not that close to you anymore. And they're not going to see the fact that you have consumed your life with bitterness. Um, you know, but I guess I, I can think of examples where maybe there's something so big and so severe that human nature says there's no way that you could possibly ever forgive somebody. You're, you know, I mean, do you think there's a there's a there's a big enough crime or big enough injustice that you say nope, there's no way I could ever forgive or you know what I'm saying? I, I do. I know exactly what you're saying, and again. The way that I would respond to that is forgiveness is always a choice. Um, th think about what Jesus did on the cross for us. Think about the fact that he knew that, that we were going to rebel against him over and over again, even after we became Christians. And yet he loved us enough that he, he still died on the cross and offered us this opportunity for salvation. Now, understand, it's, it's, this is not an easy thing to do, period. I mean, I, I, you could just stop there, and, and that's all you really need to say. Uh, because we are not God. We are human beings, and we are frail human beings. And our tendency is to hold on to the negative and to 
to dwell on it. So it it's tough, but it's a choice that that is before us that uh, we can either, as I said yesterday, choose to release and, and be free or just continue to rehearse and let it weigh us down each time we think about those things that uh, people do to us. So looking at this kind of brought back, you know, Forrest and I were talking yesterday, um, back in, in, in 2018, there was a, a case where um, a police officer in, in Texas, I think it was Dallas, but no, it was Texas, um, entered into the wrong apartment um, at night thinking it was her apartment, accidentally went into the wrong apartment and shot and killed the person who was there, whose apartment it actually was. Um, and, and through this whole, you know, trial process as everybody's watching this, it, it played out in a really unexpected way. Um, when the officer, uh, Amber Geiger had, had been sentenced and, and was about to, you know, have her sentence dealt out to her. And, and the guy who had, who had been murdered, his younger brother, who was 18 at the time and giving kind of his, his closing statement, whatever, um, he just kind of laid everything out for her. Um, and his response was essentially like, there's no covering up for what you've taken from us. But at the same time, I still love you and I still want what's best for you. And the fact that, that I can tell that you regret what you've done, I can forgive you. Even though you, you know, killed my brother, I can forgive you. And, and, and in doing so tells her that he doesn't even want her to go to jail what he really wants is for her to turn her life over to Christ and acknowledge what she has done in her life and, and, and turn her life around into a positive way, which is mind blowing. Like, like I can think of people who have done like a, a tiny fraction of that, who I had the hardest time actually offering forgiveness to. And, and this guy who's sitting there as his, as his brother's been killed, looking at the person who did it and saying, I forgive you. And I genuinely want what's best for you. Um, and, and seeing the response from that, this kind of goes again into, you know, not really understanding what forgiveness is. A lot of people in response to that said, you know, I don't think I could ever do that. You know, I don't think I could ever forgive somebody, you know, like that, that I, I couldn't forgive somebody because what they did was so bad. You know, I can't say that it's okay. But in response to all this, like him and his mom, their response was, you know, we needed to do this for us. Forgiveness has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with the person you're forgiving. It has to do with like yourself, the person who is doing the forgiving. Um, they didn't want to go on carrying that the rest of their lives, you know, because they didn't want that to be weighing them down. And in no way did they acknowledge what she did and say like, oh, you didn't do anything that bad. He even said like, there's no covering up what you took from us but I can forgive you and I can move forward from this. Yeah. The, the same thing happened with that uh, church shooting in, in Charleston when uh, the young man went in and sat down with uh, the congregation and in the middle of their prayer meeting, got up and started shooting. And when he went before the judge, the congregation or several members of the congregation went in and, and offered forgiveness to this young man, same, same sort of message um, and it's not an easy thing to do, but as believers, it's what we're required to do. Jesus doesn't give us a choice in the matter. He says, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, he won't. 
looking at those both of those examples, and, and I thought of one as well, um, and kind of the common denominator goes back to a point you had actually made in the last little section saying, only forgiven people can fully forgive others. Um, and you just think about it, like why there was nothing to be gained for the family to sit up there on the stand and say, we don't, we don't want her to spend the rest of her life in prison. That's not going to make this better. We forgive her and we're moving on, you know, and, and the same way the Charleston shooting, these are acts that are horrible. I mean, you look at the Charleston shooting and just the absolute evil that was on display there. And yet you compare that to the love of Christ, you know, the, the absolute evil that was played out at the cross where they crucified the one innocent man on earth is the same dynamic we're seeing at play here in Charleston with this shooter and the, the, the congregation that lived through it saying, you know, we're not here for revenge. Um, and I think that's one thing when you realize, well, why, why are we different as Christians in this than maybe just anyone on the street? You know, if we were writing a secular self-help book, would we say like, oh, yeah, just forgive them? You know, there might be some of that, but there's a difference, I think, in the fact that we don't have to be obsessed with getting justice because we know that when we look at God and, and you start looking at the attributes of God, God is a God of justice. And at the very basic level, the fact that, you know, the Bible says that, that God says, vengeance is mine. You know, it, it, I think a lot of times, I mean, there's whole action movies made about the concept of somebody does something wrong. I mean, you know, if they hurt your dog, now it's on, you go hunt them down. It's going to be a huge shootout, you know, action movie. But we basically are living our lives under the premise, not that bad guys are going to get away and that there's no big deal because... You know, oh, yeah, something bad happened to you. Just forgive them. It's not a big deal. It's not that at all. We're told to, to forgive them because at the end of the day, we know they're going to stand before a just God mm -hmm. who is a God of justice. And we don't have to be consumed with trying to get vengeance or trying to right a wrong that was done to us because we put our faith in the one that will. Um, yeah, I think that to me is is something that as I've kind of grown in my understanding of forgiveness, realizing that that's kind of where it rests. We rest on that bedrock of we look at God and his attributes, and that's what gives us the assurance of today and tomorrow um, and that we don't have to fight our own battles because he's doing it for us. Well, and speaking of, of those attributes, one of the things that I love about the Psalms is is the reality, the the realness of, of King David especially as he is is crying out to God because he's not afraid to say, God, these people hurt me. These people attack me. Pour, pour your vengeance out upon them. You know, and, and I can relate to that. That's, that's easy for us to get behind and say, yeah, God, you know, get them, get them, God. You know, I'm going to leave this in your hand, but I want you to get them. But here's the thing about this. If you remember the story in the New Testament where Jesus is eating in the home of, of Simon the Pharisee, and uh, this woman comes in. Most people think that we're talking about Mary Magdalene here. Uh, she comes in, 
and she has this this alabaster box, which is is obviously an heirloom because it contains this expensive ointment that she has either inherited or, or been given. Uh, and, and she breaks it open and she pours it on Jesus and she anoints him, prepares him for burial, Jesus says. The Bible says that she washes his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. And Simon is indignant because this woman, he says, is a prostitute. How can you allow her to, to touch you like this? And Jesus comes back and he says, Simon, there's, there's one thing I want you to, to understand. To those who have been forgiven much, they will love much. And that's the attribute that underlies all of this is because of the forgiveness that, that we have been given. It transforms our lives. It transforms our hearts so that our foundation is the love of God. And the love of God says that when I look out at someone who has harmed me, then I should see them like God sees them, as, as helpless sheep who are hurting, who are in need, who, 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 are, who have struck out because of the, the sin that's in them. And so what I need to do is love them, and the greatest way I can love them is to forgive them. I saw a, a very powerful way uh, kind of watching this play out um, the other night when I watched the, uh, the free Burma Rangers documentary. Um, if, if there's no other reason to watch the movie, watch it to see a great picture of wrestling with vengeance and forgiveness and trusting the Lord. There's one scene and I'm not going to go into all the details because you should watch the movie, um, but they are there with a family and, the family leaves and the, the bad guys had planted a, a, a mine, so a bomb in the road, and it blew up and killed a bunch of innocent people that had just been happy and, you know, top of the world a minute ago, and suddenly tragedy has struck. And the missionary who's there in that moment just is overtaken with anger and, and they want for vengeance, which is natural. That's our human nature playing out. And he's like, these bad guys should all die. And I, the faster that they're, you know, the faster that the good guys can kill them, the better. And I mean, he's saying this and it's being recorded by these cameras that are there documenting what they're doing in this war zone. And then he comes back and he's sitting there and he's talking about the fact that the Lord convicted him of the fact that that was not Christ-like. That was his human flesh speaking, but that, Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of him convicted him of the fact that that's not the way God would want him to look at them, you know? And so then he is praying for the enemy to become his friend, for them to be forgiven, for them to come into a right fellowship with the one true God uh, and be united loving God. And I just thought to see that, because I remember <laughs> I've seen the movie twice now, I saw it in the, in the theaters and the moment when it's just so raw and this trauma just happened and him just kind of crying out like, kill them all. And I remember it just, it struck you as just, ooh, I, I know why I said it, but man, that doesn't seem like a something I was expecting to see in this Christian movie. And then to see it kind of playing out of him being convicted of that. And uh, it, it really ended up being a really beautiful scene to see just the grimy nature of life uh, and, and playing out. And I thought that was just a really good example uh, of this idea of releasing the offender uh, and, and trusting that 
We're not the one, we're not in the vengeance business. That's not what we're about. Um, now that being said, there, there's all this bad stuff happening. And how do we explain how, how I've, I've been, you know, I grew up being abused or something and, and you're saying that's a good thing that, how, how does, how do we reconcile that idea? Yeah. Just, just keep in mind what I said uh, at the beginning Everything that happens to us is not good, and we need to learn to call it that. Uh, when, when people hurt us, God doesn't say that's good. When a child is molested, God doesn't say that's good. When a wife is abused, God doesn't say that's good. When the uh, burglar comes in, breaks into your house, and steals your your that's that's not good. But what we need to understand is that all of those bad things that happen, they happen because we live in a sinful world and it's a world filled with sin that has has grown and mounted and 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 compounded from the beginning of time when when Adam and Eve were in the garden and so we are inheriting a a sinful world and all that that goes on uh with that if you can imagine the paradise of Eden there were no viruses. There were no uh, negative things whatsoever. All was perfect. But because of sin coming into the world, everything changed. And now we get mosquitoes and fire ants and murder hornets and, and all of the things <laughs> that, uh, you know, happen in the world today. Uh, those are not things that, that that we would call good. They're the result of sin, just the same as murder and anger and bitterness. Um, is is a result of sin. So what we understand is that, yes, God allows these things to happen. But here's the thing. If God did not allow bad things to happen, then he would not be a God of justice and mercy because then he could not allow good things to happen either. And, and so we have to understand that, that God is in control. He is sovereign. So what he does is he takes those bad things that do happen and he brings them around and works them together for our good. And I gave several illustrations yesterday that I wish we had time to, to talk about. But you look at the life of, of, of uh, Job and all the bad things that happened there and you see a direct causation there if you read that 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 book, this deal that, that Satan makes with God. And uh, at the end, God uh, blesses Job greater than he had uh, been blessed before. You look at the life of Joseph and all that he went through, but to come out on top as second in command in Egypt so that he could save the whole world. Uh, all the way down, you look at Ruth and Rahab and Paul and Jesus. And those things that happened were not good things, but they were things that God used to, for the good of his people and to bring glory and honor to himself. And that's what he's doing today for us. And and I think one of the things that has kind of helped me in, in times to to realize when when you have those kind of seasons in your life when, you know, things feel so overwhelming and, you know, trying to 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 make sense of of why things happen and how how good can possibly come out of out of this situation that I'm in? Um, an example that was given to me when I was when I was younger um, was, uh, in in a sense, kind of like arrows in your quiver or like tools in your in your toolbox. Um, because one of the one of the things that 
I know, you know, a lot of people deal with when you start talking about forgiveness is kind of that pushback of, well, it's easy for you to tell me that I need to forgive people because you don't know the situation like I do. Because because there is a desire there for for somebody to know what you've gone through. Um, but you have an opportunity to be that for somebody, right? Like there have been times in my life, you know, growing up when, when something happened that was completely out of my control, that, um, that, that, that took something away, be it like, so I, like a car wreck that I was in, um, my sophomore year, I guess I got rear-ended, um, you know, I was, I was hoping to be able to try out for the football team and, you know, be the, the sports guy that everybody, you know, in my class was. And, um, and so I wanted to, to do that. I got in a car wreck and ended up having some, some back pains after that, that I had to, had to work through. And there was a season when I was like, you know, this is what I wanted. I was sitting at a red light. It was completely out of my control. Somebody rear-ended me. And now all of a sudden I can't play football because I'm having to go to physical therapy and work on my back. Right. Like there was that moment of, you know, well, you can tell me it's not a big deal because you don't understand how much I wanted that. But then later on in life, when you're able to come across somebody who has a similar story like that, who is that person who is wanting to, you know, somebody to be able to relate to them, you have the ability to be that person for somebody. Um, I, I think of an example. There is a person who, uh, who Hannah and I follow pretty close. Her name is Kayla uh, Stokeline. I don't really know how you pronounce it, but it's S-T-O-E-C-K-L-E-I-N. And uh, her husband was a, a pastor um, in California, I believe, uh, who committed suicide a few years ago. And in and, and, and dealing with that, with that hurt, one of the things that she has done is she is, uh, uh, what is it, godsgotthis.com. Uh, which is a website that is all about the idea that you are not alone. There are people who who are there for you who can go through this. And she was able to take something like her husband's suicide and look at this and rather than dwelling on, you know, how bad it was, being able to become a light for other people to say like, hey, you know, you're going through this and I've been through this and I want to walk with you through this. And I think that's a, a an opportunity that you know, like an example of how these things aren't good, right? Like, like these things are, are, are bad things, but we are not the only people who are ever going to go through this. And, and as somebody who has gone through this and can come out on the other side of this, we have the ability to look at this and say, how is God going to use this in our life with, with our ministry, with our testimony to be able to, to share him with other people who have gone through these same struggles and hurts that, that we've gone through? Yeah. You know, earlier we talked about the idea of, of how God's attributes, you know, what he is like or, his, you know, um, how that affects the way we view these things. And as you were talking, it just made me think about the fact that one of the most important things for us to realize is that God is good and that God is loving. Because if we look at this as strictly, or I, I say, if you went to someone who's going through this trauma and you say to them, listen, this is going to be work out for God's glory uh, and you're good. And one day you'll be able to help somebody else down the line. 
that's that might not be the most comforting thing for them to hear in that moment. And it's probably not the appropriate thing for us to say in that raw moment. Now, is it true? Absolutely, it's true. But if you don't have that bedrock of knowing that God is good and trustworthy, then it can feel not very loving and not very good. And so I think that's the thing of realizing you know, it seems kind of weird for us to sit around like, oh, let's talk about the attributes of God or whatever. But but it is important because it affects the way we can view all of these things, you know, and that we can look at him and say, because of this, I know that I can trust him in this situation. You know, I can think of my own life and, and the tragedies that have struck my family and just thinking about even in the hurt, even in the terrible moments of it, knowing that you can rest in the fact that God is good and he's trustworthy and I don't have to understand it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, yeah, there might be, and I pray that the, the, the things that my family has, has gone through will one day bless someone else who's, who's maybe going through something similar. And that as a pastor, I want to use that to glorify God and to um, serve our flock that we have here. But at the end of the day, in that moment, what I needed was just to know he's trustworthy. You know, one of the biggest revelations for me was, was just thinking about the idea that God was okay with me not getting it, you know, and being a father that really kind of strikes home and thinking about your kids and the times that you maybe have had to disappoint them or do something that in that moment they do not like, and they are not happy about at all. And you just hold them and, well, a perfect example. Um, it, when this whole COVID-19 crisis first began, my daughter works at a summer camp. She loves working in the kitchen there. Great people. Um, I, I won't plug them on the podcast, but if you're looking for a summer camp to send your kid to, I can take it. Um, and so she, she works up there with them and they were having a group come up and she was going to go up there for the weekend and work in the kitchen. And right as soon as this virus kind of took off and I was like, oh, just look at the whole situation and where that was at was kind of a hot spot early on in this whole crisis. And so I made the call and I'm like, no, I don't think you should go. You're not going to be able to go. And it broke her heart. I mean, and, you know, and I sat there and I held her and she cried and, and was mad and upset. And yet I knew what I was doing was the right thing. And I think that's the important thing. If if I was some stranger to her and she didn't know I loved her, it would be worse. In the same way that if all we tell people is, this is going to work out later, that's not good news if we don't combine it with, and God loves you more than you'll ever know. And he's wiser than you'll ever be able to understand. And he's got this. And in the moment when you don't like it and you don't understand, he's okay with that. And he's, he's going to sit here and hold you until the time that you finally are starting to see, okay, maybe this is what you're doing. Um, and having those thoughts doesn't make you not Christian enough or not holy enough. Uh, that It's not a sin for you to sit there and go, God, I don't like what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing, but I know you're God and I'm going to trust you through it. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that that really helps us to find this freedom that I'm talking about. Uh, I talked about how when you have someone that you're trying to forgive, 
sometimes you have to just write them a letter, tell them all about what they've done to you, how it made you feel. But at the end of that, just offer them forgiveness, release them, and, and never send the letter. Well, sometimes I think we need to do the same thing with God because so many times we become angry at Him for what's happening. We blame Him. And and it's everybody always talks about the patience of Job. But if you read Job carefully, what you see is Job is constantly questioning God. You don't see a lot of patience there. You see a lot of, why are you doing this to me? You know, God, show yourself so we can have this conversation. Uh, and sometimes we need to recognize the fact that God let Job do that. Now, he he took care of him in the end and told him, look, you're... You weren't there when I created all of this, so big boy, just sit down and shut up. <laughs> uh, and sometimes God will tell us that, but he will listen to us, and he's not going to strike us down just because we say, hey, God, I'm angry at you. And sometimes we need to do that so that we can find that release that that we so desperately need. Yeah, and, and we got to wrap this up, but I think if I want to give encouragement to everybody that's listening, and maybe you've gone through some kind of trauma um, one, if this is something that you're dealing with, there's nothing wrong with seeking help, talking to somebody, um, just to, to have somebody to talk to about this can be a really great thing. Uh, there's no shame in talking to a counselor, talking to a pastor, um, if that's something you're dealing with. And they're, you know, if you're talking to, to a good godly counselor, they're going to guide you in the things that we were talking about here today. Um, and if that's something you're wrestling with, um, that's probably something you should do. If this is, you know, a constant thing, um, yeah, I'd recommend, hey, talk to somebody, work through some of this, um, but just realize at the end of the day, forgiveness is going to be on you. You're going to have to be the one to seek that. Um, all right. Well, uh, what can we look forward to next week? Well, next week we're talking about the fact that uh, we have to make that continued choice to live in that forgiveness that God offers to us. And we'll talk about ways that we can do that. All right. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, I look forward to it. Real quick, lightning round before we go. Best flavor of ice cream? Chocolate. Wow, that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) My go-to is Ben & Jerry's The Tonight Dough. There's so many millennial jokes there. We are not making any of them. <laughs> All right. I'm going with um, Cookie Two-Step. That's what I'm going to go with. It's the, if you have not experienced it, it's great. It's the combination of cookie dough ice cream and cookies and cream ice cream together. It takes away all any negative of either one of them erased because they came together to make the miracle ice cream. So, all right. So, You have some homework this week, listener. Your job is to try all those ice cream flavors. Uh, It might be really hard to find that exotic one that Brother Ben likes. But it's your job to try them and let us know if you agree or not or if we're completely off base with what are the greatest ice cream combinations. You try that out, let us know, and we'll see you again next week.